You're listening to Rethinking UX podcast and I'm your host Priya Saraswat. User research. It's one of the topics that gets everyone excited in the design and product community. After all, it's a way for us to know our audience better, right? It's something that opens the doors for us to hear the stories of real people and to understand their needs and motivations better. Under that big umbrella of research, actually there are several methods through which you can learn and know your target audience. But there is one specific method that has proven helpful for designers and product managers to create usable solutions. Yes, it's not just because this method is faster and less expensive compared to the other research methods, which is true too. Like, for example, ethnographic studies and contextual inquiries, these research methods takes a lot of time and budget. The real power of this method that I'm talking about lies in helping us build products and features in such a way that everyone can use them. It helps us to measure the intuitiveness of our solutions. Yes, in today's episode, we will be discussing about usability testing, a method that not only provides you with relevant data and insights on ease of use, discoverability, accessibility aspects of your solution, but also gives you a glimpse of how the product will be used in the real world and in the hands of, of course, real people. From interface to your assumptions, you can test it all using usability testing. Despite the fact that usability testing is one of the methods that can provide you with a lot of insights about your users in a short amount of time, not a lot of product teams actually take advantage of this method. One of the key reasons that I came across while talking to several teams on this topic is the lack of having a research expertise in the group. Many teams have claimed that they don't have a dedicated researcher in the team and that's the reason they are not performing these tasks on a regular basis. So how can we, at an individual level, working in this cross-collaboration setup, bring the merit of usability testing to our respective teams? To talk more about this topic, I'm joined by Monica Ferro, one of the finest researchers that I got an opportunity to work with. We have collaborated on a number of projects in the past and watching her interact with the users during usability sessions was a true delight. You know, coming from a radio background, I I was already comfortable talking to people, comfortable interviewing, and you know, being able to to tackle or see a problem from different perspectives. And I think that's the important thing about a researcher is that we try to, as much as possible, you know, get the bias out of the way and be able to put ourselves in the shoes of not only the user but also or stakeholders and our designers and our engineers and try to understand, you know, how we can kind of mediate that. So let's pick Monica's brain in order to understand nuts and bolts of usability testing and how it fits in the bigger umbrella of user research. Thank you, Monica, for joining me today. I would like to start with the very basic word in usability testing, which is usability. And even though the term usability, it has a foundational meaning in user-centered design process, this concept has also got multiple meanings and definitions, right? So usability in general, it is associated with ease of use of a product that lets people perform various tasks, but it can be also further expanded to estimating things like satisfaction and people preferences. 
And since we are talking about digital products today, what usability of an interface means to you? And what do you think is the right measure for it? Well, I think that when it comes to usability, you need to have some sort of a benchmark. And by that meaning, what is the ideal experience of our user, right? So having that in mind, um, we can then understand if, if I'm using a product online or if it's an, uh, an application, um, am I able to accomplish what I need without having to, one, read the manual, two, reach out to customer service, three, you know, get lost and, 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 and you know, take many routes to find what I need. So how is it? How intuitive is it? Uh, you know, and then the, the mental models come to mind, right? The mental models is these things that we have that kind of, you know, guide us. And we, you know, we assume this is how it works because it's similar to what we use in the past. So we expect it to work because, you know, it should work like something else we have used in the past. So it's, it's not, you know, can we understand if somebody goes through a regular task in our website or in our product, can they do it quickly without assistance? Can they do it quickly without having to think too much about where do I go to get this? Are we aligning our products with those mental models, right? So it's not only um, can they finish the task, can they find it easy? Can they understand the instruction or what we're saying on our website easily? I I mean, we we have to keep in mind that um, their attention in terms of how much effort they're putting into our product is, is limited because obviously they're there to complete a task. So we want to make sure that we're making things easy to understand, easy to be fine, to be, you know, to be found, easy to be interactive with, uh, with the less task um, or cognitive, you know, weight of, you know, I have to think too much about how to use this. So how do you measure that? It all depends too on, on the kind of product you are but then also in understanding what are those top tasks, the things that our users want to achieve. So you touched upon one of the concepts of mental model and why it's important to make sure that we are building products based on the mental model of our users. And as we know that user testing usually come in, in the process when the team has a better understanding of what the solution will be and what product they want to create. How can they ensure that they're going in this usability testing with a better understanding of uh, of their user's mental model and at the same time validating some of the assumptions that, that, that were made during the entire process of creating that solution. So I think that if we are creating a product that is similar to something that is out there, so if a product is unique, obviously there's no comparison, then we need to understand how we're going to set that parameter, those mental models. But, you know, but if there are things that work already, so if we have a Netflix and we are creating something similar, you know, there's going to be some expectation in terms of how things work. Um, So we have to think about that. Is a product so unique that there's nothing that is comparable? Or if we are entering a market and there's things that are already out there, how are we going to be comparing? Not because you're going to go copy that, but understand what how people are using the product first. So yes, so we want to understand how people are using products before we even start designing. You know, it's this discovery uh, period that is important. And even if you're a small team, and if you, even if you don't have a lot of resources, having a few conversations with those potential users are important. You know, we don't want to start setting up requirements. We don't want to start setting up designs 
with our assumptions as designers, with our assumptions as product managers or engineers, uh, because obviously we see things in such a different through such a different lens that um, we want to validate those assumptions before we really hit the pave and start designing and building things. So it doesn't need to be an extensive research. Have a few interviews, you know, with people. You know, if, if you're a smaller product uh, venue, a few guerrilla interviews, you know, obviously, obviously COVID-19 changes a lot, but, you know, inviting people maybe on some social media where we can have, you know, 10, 15 minute conversations where you don't even have to show a product, but try to understand how your product idea fits into their needs. You know, you can probably use Twitter or LinkedIn or something where you can say, hey, how about a $25 gift card? Uh, to whatever, Amazon or Starbucks, and let us talk about, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think it's important to start there because that way we can start to see and align our design ideas with those needs or maybe those assumptions that uh, we had in the past. Maybe they're not really aligned. So I think conversations with our users are important from the beginning not going all the way through the design process at the end before you launch to say, oh, let's test this to see how it goes. I mean, you want to save money and effort, right? We don't want to backtrack and try to do this again and again. But if we involve our users, the, boy, the voice of your user from the beginning, it's important if you're designing a new product. But if you're in a bigger organization um, where probably there are stakeholders, you know, people who... Um, have an interest in your product, who probably have their own goals uh, being impacted by the success of your product, that's important to involvement also in that conversation. So not only users, but those stakeholders as well. But the key part here is from the beginning, from the moment where we are to think, what are the requirements of this product? Let's involve our users because that is the important part. Let's understand how they're thinking what might sound good for them, how we can really fit in into their mental models, their, their expectations, and let's take it from there. Yeah, I guess that's absolutely critical. But what about the teams that doesn't have a UX expertise or a research expertise in order to make sure that people are understanding those mental models before they are actually building the solution and before they are conducting the usability testing? I'm asking this because I worked in teams where there wasn't a dedicated researcher in that particular team. And as a UX designer, sometimes I have to fill that shoe because I'm, I'm also a people's advocate. So I feel comfortable in doing that. And I somehow advocate it to be part of the process, a must-do part of the process. But there are teams where this gap of not having a researcher or designers comes in the way of making sure that everything is tested with a sample of target users before giving it into the hands of a broader audience. So in those situations, what do you think, how can teams ensure that they perform usability testing on key features? And what are some of the roles besides UX researchers and designers in a cross-functional team setup who can take up that role and be be a facilitator in a usability testing? Because I'm assuming being a researcher or a designer, we learn these skills over time. I think that 
under, as a team, right, we, we all should be able to see and understand where a product is going and what are some of the needs that we already understand. So we need to create that empathy for the user. And I think anybody in the team, I mean, it could be a project manager, uh, it could be a designer, anybody could probably do it. The key part, obviously, is to outline the goals of what is it that we want to learn from usability, not test everything in the interface just because we want to test everything. We want to test those key tasks that we have, you know, identify maybe through user stories, um, through functionality on the website. Obviously, sometimes you want to test everything, but if you only have people for 30 minutes and you can only afford to give them a gift card, that would probably you know, justify having 30 minutes of their time to talk with you, you know, you want to be prepared. So by that meaning, anybody can do it as long as we have a session guide that, you know, maybe a good script that outlines how we're going to do an introduction, how we're going to, you know, warm up the conversation, ask them about how they're doing, have they used similar products in the past, um, and then walk them through some of those tasks Basically, you want to understand if you are a designer, it's, it's challenging yeah, because you're testing your baby. How can you really hold yourself back without trying to say something like, yeah, yeah, but this is the way it should work. No. So I guess it takes practice. And the best way to do it is practice with your team first before you go into those sessions where you're users. But it's important to have a guide, a very well-scripted guide that gives the tasks to the user. And then I usually write questions on my guide so I can make sure that if I need to follow up with questions after the task, I know what, what are those questions we want to cover. But again, what's important is to observe, is to listen. You know, that's really, anybody can do that. It doesn't have to be the research only, the researcher only, but if you're the designer, you're another team member, you know, maybe different people can take turns to run some of these sessions. Not only gives you the opportunity to do it and understand, you know, the user needs, create that empathy. But when you guys come back as a group to talk about what we learn, everybody can provide some of those perspectives. So yes, there are skills and there are many things we can read, but I think what's important is planning ahead, understanding what is it that we want to learn? What are some of the key things we want to test and validate through usability and Maybe you don't have to test everything. Maybe it's a handful of features you want to test. And if you need to make changes, then run another group of sessions. And remembering that you don't have to test 20 people. You know, the magic number between five and seven will give you some feedback that allows you to decide, this is working, do we need to make changes and then test again? So iteration is important. And we can talk about that later. But in terms of what you are asking, what are the skills? Who can do it? I think anybody in the team who feels comfortable to take that first step should do it. And then other team members could join in, you know, either listening in, taking notes. Um, but I think it's important. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's easier to see it live as is it happening than just seeing a recording and just not have that opportunity to see it firsthand. Yes, I've been to some amazing usability testing with you where we are observing and learning a lot. So, yeah, I think this, this helps a lot. Uh, one thing that I am curious in general is like we, from UX perspective, we have this concept of testing often and early um, to get a better understanding of what we are building and if we are building that product or feature right. So even though we all at some point in product development process wants to talk or share our ideas with our end customers, it 
it's not always very handy because we are also working with a group of stakeholders, mm -hmm. right? So um, every time you put together a research proposal and you, because it's basically you're working under time and budget constraints as well, and whether you have that deadline to meet and in that deadline, how can you fit usability testing? So what in your past experience, have you been into a situation where you were working in a tight timeline or a deadline and you have to get a buy-in from the stakeholders for a usability session that uh, the team really wanted to conduct because that that's what felt important at that point without launching it, without getting enough feedback? Well, I, I think that just like I mentioned, we need to involve users from the beginning. Stakeholders need to be part of that as well. Um, and, and I think that some of the first interviews that you need to have are with those stakeholders, you know, because they are, they're going to help you. Uh, they're going to offer you useful advice about the product in terms from their perspective, what are they expecting to see? Um, maybe help you simplify the design process because maybe there are things that you thought of that were probably going to be needed in design that from that stakeholder perspective are probably not needed. They don't align with the business goals. Um, and as I said before, these stakeholders are relying on the success of your product to, you know, benefit their own gain, their own progress in, in the organization. So um, important that to think that stakeholders are not only those high level, C-level or senior level individuals in your organization. They're also low level people, customer service, uh, people who are dealing with users directly. So there are important conversations that we need to have, not only with users, with stakeholders, and that would help you get that buy-in. Um, I highly recommend that we do not skip uh, stakeholder interviews, and those are as important as users from the beginning, from that discovery period. Because uh, as you go through these different stakeholder interviews, you're going to see the different ways they interact with our users how their needs and in terms of business goals are going to be different. So you need to bring that also into the design process. If you have the need to get that buy-in, if we started those conversations early on in the design process, then by the time that we say, hey, we need to expand the budget and really get some testing done, then you can understand, they can understand now why, because they have been part of that conversation from the beginning. So yeah, test often and early. Uh, that's definitely something we say realistic, you know, even if we test a couple people in the beginning, make some changes, maybe test a few other, make some changes. I mean, that's important as you go along and, and the user needs to be part of that. So we cannot design a successful usable product. If we are saying, well, we don't have the budget to test. Um, it has to be included somehow, even if it's just something we're doing ourselves you know, 30 minutes or so, as I said, it doesn't have to be an extensive one hour, 90 minute session hour. But if you have 15 minutes, you know, 30 minutes, and if you cannot do it, and you know, there are platforms online that you can use that are not expensive, like Maze, where uh, you can upload your prototypes, create a number of tasks, share the link with a number of users, and they can provide that feedback, you know, you can taste them. So, so some unmoderated, some moderate tests, and you can do a combination of both. So if you have an initial set of interviews that are moderated, you made some changes to your prototype, maybe next round we'll just do unmoderated. So take some time off you of your schedule in terms of testing. You still will have to review, you know, the outcome of the unmoderated session, say on Maze or any other platforms like that. 
but you know it's easier you already have an understanding of what you saw in the first round of testing and you can continue from there and i think what's important with the stakeholders and to continue the buying conversation is updating them you know establish an initial cadence with them during those initial conversations you say listen this is important for us how do you want us to how do you want to be involved in terms of learning more about about the outcome of both the design process and the research um, how often should we touch back, uh, touch base with you to, to, to let you know how things are progressing? So I think that having them inform about how things are progressing and what their feedback, you know, what role their feedback has played in the design, I think is important. That absolutely. I think um, there were really good call outs there. One thing um, that comes to mind, and this is also one of the final thing that I really wanted to touch with you and I think this will be something very helpful for me personally and also whosoever will be listening to this episode in future. But this concept of when you're working in a global context and usable, the challenges that comes with the global audience and conducting usability testing. Since I've seen you working in that setup, um, especially with people who don't have English as their first language, like if a team is trying to work with that kind of an audience, what are some of the best ways or approaches they can take in order to get that feedback from that kind of an audience and how they can prepare better, at, how they can be a better facilitator at that usability testing or any session that they are conducting with, with their users. Yeah, I, I've been lucky to be able to do a lot of global research. Um, one, because I'm bilingual, so I, I've been able to speak, um, be able to conduct sessions in Spanish with uh, users who are more comfortable in Spanish. But yeah, there is that global need and people who are willing to come and speak to you in their, in their first language is not English. So that, that's where you want to be prepared. And you might need to speak maybe with internal stakeholders in your company who are working with those specific markets, EMEA, APAC, you know, Latin America, and try to understand what are some of the things they've, sent, they've, they've heard from those customers. And yes, this is kind of an anecdotal feedback in terms of through the lens of whoever you're speaking, but it's good. It prepares you to hear a little bit about what's coming. Um, also, if there is um, some, um, if it's a very specific language, you know, if your UI has some specific treatments that are localized, you know, try to familiarize yourself. You don't have to learn the language, but at least get an idea of what are some of these differences. But I think patience and empathy, it's important. Um, have a clear guide in terms of what you're asking. Um, try to speak clear uh, to allow them to understand. And, and you know, and if you know that from the beginning, your introduction, you know, you, you will get a sense of how, they're, how, how comfortable they are in their responses. And feel free to tell them, you know, um, you know, feel free to ask me if one, if my question is not clear, I'd be happy to, you know, repeat it. And, and if for some reason they don't understand your question and you try to rephrase it in a more simple way, um, that's okay. You know, you will move on to the next question. Um, but again, what is important is to be prepared in terms of how do you want to lay out your questions and, just listen to them, try to repeat things and clarify, make sure you understood what they're saying. Because sometimes they might be able to understand clearly what you're saying, but it's difficult for them to put them in, in a sentence or in a response. But 
you listen to them, you make sense of what they're saying the best way you can, you repeat it back. Is this what you mean? And they say, yeah, that's what I mean. Then that helps you and your team understand that that's clear. Never assuming that, you know, never move on to never move on to the next question. If you are not, you yourself are not clear if that answer is what you think it is. So I think what's important is to respect that person that is talking to you. They took really a big step to, to be willing to speak to you, even though it's not their first language. Um, and also to be patient, right? It is important to ask the question in different ways if needed and, and try to make sense of what they're saying and repeat back and confirm that that's exactly what they're saying. I think, uh, Monica, this was super helpful session. I think there were a lot of things that you touched from understanding from the beginning, the mental model of the users to kind of how one can prepare better for having a usability testing, even if they don't have a background in research from getting the stakeholder buy-in and working with the global audience. I think we covered a lot of things that we, that will be really helpful for, for anyone who is listening to this one. I know you mentioned like you have a very diverse background when you actually transitioned to user researcher, but what is, what is the best way to approach that career transition for people who wanted to get into that? I think people skills are key because a lot of people can have a degree. Yeah. You're not, you're not comfortable listening. You're not comfortable letting people tell you things. Um, I, I always approach testing in a very conversational way. So I think people skills are important. You feel comfortable with all kinds of people. Sometimes you have difficult people that are talking, you're talking to during research. How do you manage that? So it takes patience, it takes practice. And I, I mean, there are many ways that you can create that, you know, th things as improv theater, right? Or it's even beyond the cognitive science or the usability or the design. So uh, I've had the pleasure of working with many researchers that come from different, very diverse backgrounds, anthropology, sociology. Um, but at the end, really, we have one thing in common and it's, it's, it's people skills. Can we, do we feel comfortable talking and, and observing? Do we have the patience to do it? Um, because in a conversation with somebody else, uh, you might, you're, if you're not showing, like if we have a remote conversation, even your voice can be, the tone of your voice can give, you know, that warmth of like, I'm so happy to speak with you or, oh God, here I am. I need to ask you all these questions. So um, I think it's important to have that you be, to be interested in. And then, you know, yeah, there's a lot of other things that are important from the analysis, from the type of research you're doing. You know, you could be doing ergonomics, you know, medical devices. So obviously there's a lot of things that go into that. That is a more restricted type of approach because you're doing a lot of validation that is really measured in different ways. But if you're doing, you know, exploratory discovery research or more ethnographic, you know, you, you definitely need to love to talk to people and observe people because that's really where your data is coming from. So that was Monica sharing her insights and knowledge on how to conduct a great usability testing and how to be proactive in reaching out to your users early and often in the process of product development. This podcast is an initiative of Rethinking UX community, a community of people from all walks of product life. Feel free to check out our website and LinkedIn page to know more. Thanks for listening in and I'll catch you in our next episode where we will talk with another awesome mind and on another awesome topic. Till then, take care.